Welcome to the Licensing Podcast, where we take what may seem like the extremely boring and try to make it a little less boring. Each episode is geared towards a story to help provide you with some of the background of where these topics come from, why they work the way they work, and what you can do about it on your test. We're going to provide a lot of realism. Unfortunately, you can only provide so much fun. Today's episode is going to focus on flow of funds, another one of those topics where the questions are extremely concrete and direct and yet provide you with no idea where this fits in the real world. So we'll start with the content and work our way back to the context. Now, the material teaches you that the flow of funds is a provision that you'll find in the protective covenants, which is itself a provision that you'll find in the trust indenture. I'd like to remind you that the trust indenture exists for municipal revenue bonds and not municipal general obligation bonds. Now, the intent of the flow of funds is to control the money flow. In a minute, I'm going to tell you that paying your bills, and I mean that personally to you, when you pay your bills, you're basically running a flow of funds covenant at that point. That's going to be the example that I'm going to use. So the real question becomes, why would our bondholders require our issuers to specify exactly how they spend their money, especially in view of the fact that revenue bonds do this, but general obligation bonds do not. So going back to some of the word associations that you see in the book, you'll notice that a revenue bond has a trust indenture, but a general obligation bond does not. So I'm going to pause for one second. I know that silence on the radio doesn't make a ton of sense, but think about that for a second. Why would the revenue bond want a document that is specifically designed to protect the bondholder from the issuer, whereas the general obligation bond would not need that. Hopefully you actually went a little cynical with this one because I think that's actually the better way to think about it. The real answer here is revenue bonds involve money, and as I'm sure we've all realized by now, uh, money has a tendency to corrupt people in weird ways, right? So whenever there's money on the table, we get a little more concerned, and we want a little more protection. So we get these legal documents. You'll see in the new issue space that when the syndicate goes to pay each other, they write it down in a formal agreement. The odd thing then really becomes that general obligation bond. Why doesn't the general obligation bond have a trust indenture? And hopefully you hear again the reality of, oh yeah, general obligation bonds don't make money. That's not a revenue stream-based project. And even more so on top of that, who pulls the trigger on general obligation bonds? Who's the person who makes decisions about how we use general obligation bonds? Well, you could say, you know, it's the city council or it's the mayor if she so chooses. But at the same time, in a roundabout way, it's really you. You're the voter. And remember those general obligation bonds had to be voted on? Surely you would not be so apathetic in the political process that you wouldn't go not vote. Surely if you did go vote, you wouldn't be so apathetic as to vote in crooks and robbers into your mayor positions and governor positions. Obviously on a national level, we would never let congressional service levels to get down to 8 and 9% approval ratings. We would be uh, more morally strong than that and vote those crooks out of office if that were to happen, right? And that's why the general obligation bonds are supposed to be regulated by you, the voter. So we don't need as many legal documents. Whereas our revenue bonds, they're just decided at the city council level because the bond should be self-supporting. And hence, the revenue bond needs more regulation, specifically a trust indenture. One of the things I just told you we worry about the most is that money payment flow, right? So inside the trust indenture is a document called the flow of funds, which specifies exactly how you have to pay out the money. 
That's where it fits. Now, what does it do? Well, as I said, it pays out the money. I want you to think about yourself for a second. You're working, you're getting paychecks. What do you do with those paychecks? If you're like most people, what tends to happen is the paycheck goes into some kind of checking account. And from the checking account, you then write a lot of checks. You write a check for your water bill. You write a check for your rent. You write it. You quote unquote pay the bills in the very formal sense of the word, right? But you paid the bills from your checking account, whereupon you put the revenues, your paycheck, in first. So revenues went into checking account and then bills got paid out of checking account. That's what flow of funds is. The flow of funds provision tells you what steps you take when you pay the money. So I own a corporation, or in this case, I'm running a city municipal. So let's keep with that example. So I'm running a city municipal project like the zoo, and this is how I pay the bills. Step one, I take all the revenues from the tickets for selling that zoo, and I put it in the revenue fund. Bucket number one is called the revenue fund because it's where all the revenues go. And from the revenues, I start to pay the bills. So the first bill that I pay is, um, you know, I should probably keep the lights on and I should probably keep the water flowing. And that nice old lady at the front who takes the tickets for you guys, I should probably pay her her salary. Operations and maintenance. So I, I have a fund for that. I put some of the revenue fund money into the ops and maintenance fund. And from the ops and maintenance fund, I write all the bill checks. I still got some money left over. A couple of years ago, I floated some bonds to build a new renovation. We built this really awesome, pretty panda exhibit, you know, and we bought some pandas and we brought them in and bamboo is expensive. So I now need to pay off those bond holders for floating the bonds on that particular project. So the third bucket then becomes the, you want to call it the bond holder fund. Unfortunately, we don't use that vocabulary. This is going to be called the sinking fund or the debt service fund. So I pay my bondholders from the debt service fund. And I still have some money left over. Well, at this point, a lot of the projects just become future tense. So up until now, I've been talking about things that have to happen on a regular basis. If I still got some money left over, maybe I start planning for the future. You know, uh, the next one that we're going to pay into is we're going to call it the operations and maintenance reserve fund. And this is money I'm going to set aside for a rainy day in case some big project comes along. Uh, the example I really like is when I think about my house. When I moved to Denver in 2013, I bought a house that had been vacant for a while and I had to fix it up a bit. I changed all the light bulbs on the exact same day in the entire house. Well, in the real world of electric theory, shouldn't there be a day where all my light bulbs burn out the exact same day? Shouldn't I have like light bulb Armageddon one day and just the whole house goes dark? Then I got to run to uh, one of those hardware stores and buy a, a ton of light bulbs. That's an additional expense to me, right? Or in my zoo, maybe uh, I, I made a, the lion wall all of the same concrete on the same day and all that concrete crumbles apart on the same day. That's a pretty massive one-time expense. And the ops and maintenance reserve fund is for that rainy day. And I still got money left over. Okay, well, I've got oh, debt service. So I'm paying these interest payments every year on my bonds. But isn't there a day down the road where I'm going to have to set aside money for the principal repayment? I mean, that's a lot larger chunk out there, right? So let's start forward paying some of my interest in my principal, maybe. Debt service reserve fund, right? Do you catch the trend here that I'm using the word reserve to talk about optional and future potential payments? 
Well, at this point, I still have money left over. I am like the zoo king of Denver, right? I mean, I basically light my campfires with Benjamins, okay? And I'm tired of throwing all this money in all these different places. So I just dump all of my money in this remainder fund called the surplus fund, all right? The surplus fund. So that's my stack rank, revenue fund, ops and maintenance, debt service, ops and maintenance reserve, debt service reserve, and then surplus. The nice thing about that is it's going to change a little bit depending on the question, but the change always follows some very general trends. So let's review those trends right now. Trend number one, the revenue fund always comes first. The revenue fund is always at the top of the list. Trend number two, the surplus fund is always going to come last. The surplus fund is at the bottom of the list. And then trend number three, the word reserve always means optional or later or down the road. You're always going to pay your today funds before you pay your reserve funds. Now, the trickier questions could put you in a scenario where you're paying ops and maintenance and then ops and maintenance reserve and then debt service. I mean, technically that's a thing. But you'll notice that you're never going to pay ops and maintenance reserve before you pay ops and maintenance proper. So reserve means later. The last thing that we want to keep track of then is flow of funds have to be segregated into either a net pledge or a gross pledge. And I'll just really quickly hit on that. The name of the pledge tells you what money you use to pay your bond holders. And there's a very general accounting principle we use here where accountants will tell you that the money you earn at face value is your gross revenue. And no matter what you do with that gross revenue, whenever you pay ops and maintenance, that gross revenue turns into a thing we call net revenue. So did I use gross revenue to pay the bondholders or did I pay net revenue to pay the bondholders? In the stack rank I have for this particular episode, I went revenue fund ops and maintenance, then debt service, right? So I had gross revenues, then I paid ops and maintenance, that turns into net revenues. And with net revenues, I paid my bondholder or my debt service fund. Therefore, this would have been a net revenue pledge. So to summarize, we're dealing with flow of funds is found in the trust indenture. It's the stack rank of how I pay my bills and a project-based system usually found within a municipal bond question. That's our episode for today. Thanks for listening.